Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Today we're talking about the gift of the Father. How many know that, that our Heavenly Father has good gifts for His kids? Amen? And every good gift comes from the Father, as the book of James tells us. So Luke chapter 15. But His Father said to the servants, and this is after the Son returns home. We've covered a lot of ground on that. But He said to His servants, quick, bring the finest robe into the house, the robe of righteousness. Get the ring for His finger, the authority and rights His sons, and sandals for His feet, saying that He has permission, not as a slave, but as a son. And kill, verse 23, and kill the calf we have been uh, fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Everybody say celebrate. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So let the party begin. Everybody say party. Good. You're almost there. So let the party begin. Now, this is obviously a powerful, exciting environment. The sun comes home. The calf has been being prepared. It's been being fattened. And, man, it's, he says, so let the party begin. And then the next word says, meanwhile. Everybody say, meanwhile. So listen, not everybody was ready to party. Not everybody was excited about the party. In fact, there was a brother that didn't run off. A brother that didn't waste his inheritance. A, a brother that stayed at home and was a quote-unquote good boy. So it says this, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, right where he should be. Many of us would look at that and say that. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back. He was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating of his safe return. And it says this in verse 28, that the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And his father came out and begged him. Begged him. Pleaded with him. And he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? And his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And everything, get this, everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. See, the older brother could not celebrate because he was angry. He was angry, and he wouldn't go in. And, you know, I think a lot of times we, we have this mindset, this slave mindset that the older brother had. Even though he was living in the house, he didn't have the heart of the house. He was bitter because he didn't realize one thing. Not because he didn't have anything. Not because the father was, un, was unfair to him. He was bitter because he didn't realize how good he had it. See, sometimes our bitterness is based in our perception, not based in our circumstance. 
And this is the exact situation the older brother. See, when, the, when, it, when, it, when it came time to party, he was out working. It's where I should be. And many times we badge ourselves and we pride ourselves with our efforts. And you can work all day long and never have the heart of the house. Notice how he says this. He says, all these years I've slaved for you. I've slaved for you. That is not the heart of the house. Because if you would have had the heart of the house, first of all, you wouldn't use the word slaved. He would have said, I've managed what is ours. Because the heart of the house is that everything belongs to you. Listen, if it's on the property, it can be in your possession. If healing's on the property, it can be in your possession. If financial increase is on the property, which it is, then it can be in your possession. If joy is on the property, it can be in your possession. If peace is on the property, it can be in your possession. And this is why the father was trying to get him to understand this is a time to celebrate. He begged with him to join the party. And can I tell you today, you can join the party or you can stay in the fields laboring. And you can stay out of the party in your bitterness, in your hardness, or you can join the party. You say, well, Pastor Josh, what is the party? The party is life in the Spirit. That's big idea number one for you. Every good sermon has a big idea, so we're told. The party is life in the Spirit. See, God has a life for you in the Spirit. It's not the life that the world lives. It's the life that God provides for you in the Spirit. And there's a couple of things that you find at every party, right? Every party, there's a couple of things, right? How many of y'all like to party? We all like to party, right? Some of you are like partying for you is eating popcorn and watching Netflix at night. That's not, that's not really a party. It might be a pity party, but it's not a party. So at every party, you find a couple of things. First of all, you find preparation, There's always preparation for a party. In fact, you've been to parties. I've been to parties where there wasn't much preparation, right? We're like on-time people. We show up on time to parties, and usually, like, especially being in El Paso for 11 years, you show up, they say 5 o'clock, flyer says 5 o'clock, Facebook event says 5 o'clock. You show up 5 o'clock for the party, and they're making preparations then, right? And the party, it says 5, it means it starts at 7, that's kind of what it meant in El Paso. And that, that's, that happens out here too. But El Paso, it was always like that. It was very frustrating. Because what it's telling you is that they're not organized enough to prepare in advance for people to get there when they say it's going to be. So you get there and it's like the meat isn't even been marinated yet. Right? <laughs> it's like the drinks are just being iced. But one of the things that we see in this story is that there was a calf that was being prepared. Right? The fattened calf. For, I, I believe this. I believe that they have been fattening that calf since the boy left. I think the father said, you know what? One day my son's going to come home. Go ahead and feed that calf. And I'm just going to keep feeding it. It's going to be a big old fat calf. Maybe it'll die before he comes home, but let's just keep fattening it. But one of the things that, that the father was doing when he gave him this, this clothing that we've talked about, when he gave him the ring, when he gave him the robe, the robe of righteousness, the ring of authority, the ring of rights, when he gave him those sandals, one of the things that he was doing is he was preparing the son for the party that he had prepared for him. The son was being prepared quickly so he could enjoy what was prepared for him. So God gets you ready. He brings you into righteousness. He gives you this authority. He gives you this identity. Why? Because he has a life prepared for you. Life in the spirit. 
And listen, Abba is a good preparer. You ever, you ever uh, been to a, a wedding before? Yeah, I know you have. And you know how they have that gap between the wedding and the party? Y'all know. It's terrible. Abba doesn't prep like that. As soon as the wedding happens, as soon as, 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 soon as the event happens, there's a party to go to. There's no restless waiting. He prepares you quickly. He, he meant you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus right then. Then there's a party for you to enter into. Nope, no waiting. The part, if anything, the party is waiting on you. First Corinthians chapter 2. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. And most of the time we use this to kind of like talk about the mystery of God. But, but get this, listen. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That sounds pretty positive to me. Something bad happens? Well, no eye has seen. Listen, look. God's preparing something for you. In the midst of the mess, in the midst of the good thing, he has been preparing something for you. And he's been preparing you for something. But, oh, we leave that verse off. No eyes, nobody can get God. No, it's such a mystery. But, but. It was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. What is that saying? That is saying that there is a life in the spirit that God has prepared for you. Life in the spirit now. Not when you die and go to heaven. That'll be prepared. That's prepared also. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. There is a place prepared for you. But there is life in the spirit now. Let the party begin now. For his spirit searches out everything. Noah has seen his spirit. We have the spirit. Searches out everything and shows us God's deep secret. God has secrets. That's right. He sure does. And he wants to be discovered. He's got those secrets for you. He wants, you don't look at the secrets and go, oh, case closed. God's mysterious. No, he said, come on, I have a life for you. Would you come and discover me? Would you come and discover the deep things of God? Oh, so deep. and Come on. It's an open invitation. Let the party begin. So every party has preparation. And God has given you the spirit to discover what's prepared. The second thing that we see at every party is people. There are people at every party. If you're having a party by yourself, it's a pity party. We've already said that. That's not a party. Notice how even the servants said this. is that we are celebrating. Your brother's here. We're celebrating. All of us. The whole company of people. Everybody that works here on the land. Everybody that works at the estate. We're all celebrating. Except you. We are celebrating with the feast. You know, when, when God called you, he called you into a family. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 1. God decided in advance to adopt us as his own, into his own family. So he didn't just adopt you just so you could be an independent son or daughter. He brought you into a family. That's why he brought you to Overflow. So you could be part of a family. Bringing it to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what it says. This is what he wanted to do. 
wasn't his cosmic obligation. He wanted to do it, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him, gave him great pleasure to what? To adopt you into a family. Not just to have a dad, but to have a family. See, the older brother wasn't thinking like family. Remember how he said it? This son of yours. He didn't say my brother. He said this son of yours. How many times do we have that attitude in the kingdom? We get jealous about our brother or sister in the Lord. Like God doesn't have enough. Or are you an orphan? Do you know that our heavenly father has so much? I mean, when we struggle with jealousy, that's exactly what it is. It's an orphan spirit saying, God can't give me. Thinking about what Angela shared a while ago about the offering. Like, do you think because God blesses someone else that he can't bless you too? Matt, deal with this as a pastor. Look at that. They just started their church. I have like 400 people. Where has that been going like six years? And it took like five years to get momentum. And I get like, well, they're they're a bad, they're doing something. We're the real spiritual ones. Don't we get like that all the time? Listen, he has enough to go around. His supply is not short, neither is his arm. The younger brother, listen, the older brother was right in his assessment of the younger brother. He was imperfect. He was he was a mess. He wasn't a good boy. He wasn't a good son. I mean, he went and wasted everything. He smelled like pigs. Now, he had every uh, reasonable right to be angry. Listen, when you come into the kingdom, you came into a family. How many of you have ever fought with your brothers or sisters? How many of you disagree with your brothers and sisters? How many of you get offended and bothered and irritated by your brothers and sisters? Why? Because you're family. The people you love the most irritate you the most. It's the way it is. Listen, when you came into the kingdom, you don't get to write people off. You don't get to write people off. People are different than you. There will be people in the kingdom that you don't like. Let me, let me say it this way. There are going to be people in the kingdom that aren't like you. See, we like what we know, but we don't take the time to know what we like because we're so in love with ourselves. Maybe the reason why God put people around you that disagree with you is because he wants to line up some of your mentality, but probably more than that, he probably wants to line up your attitude. Remember when Jesus told us to pray? He said, pray our Father. Not my Father. My Father who isn't. Nope. Our Father. Why? Because the best prayers are prayed in the context of community. He brought us into a family. There is no just me and Jesus. If there is just you and Jesus, you've missed it, beloved. You've missed it. The party is not a party if you're alone. So at the party, you find preparation, you find people, you find pleasure. Everybody look at your neighbor and say pleasure. So my neighbor's not here. The person sitting next to you, that's the word in church. Listen, if following Jesus is not joyful, then you're doing it wrong. I'm just serving God. Listen, if, if following Jesus is not jo- joyful, then you're following Jesus wrong. Psalms 36, 7, how priceless is your unfailing love, both high and low among men. In other words, all people, anybody, doesn't matter, doesn't matter their social uh, status. High and low men find refuge in the shadow of, the ring, on, of your wings. Verse 8, they feast on the abundance of your house. 
so much abundance. You give them drink from your river of delights. His river, there is a river in heaven called delight. And God wants you to drink from that river. He wants you to be delighted. He wants you to be joyful. He doesn't want you laboring like, just, just serving God, just putting out my grind. Just no. no, 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 no. Listen, because he, listen, he is the life of the party. He is the pleasure of the party. Check this out, Psalm 1611. In your presence there is fullness of joy. That's a lot of fullness. God's fullness is a lot of fullness. I'm, I'm like 205 pounds probably right now, somewhere around there. Some days a little higher, some days a little lower. You like the days better than I'm a little lower. I have a lot of fullness. There's a lot of Josh Brown. But God has a lot of fullness. There's a whole lot of fullness in God. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, pleasures forever, forevermore. God has endless pleasure for you. Stop looking for pleasure outside of the life that he's provided for you. The reason why some of you are miserable is because you've been looking for pleasure in things like work or relationships and all these kind of things, and you have not found the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. So there's pleasure at the party. Listen, if there's no pleasure, it's not a party. If everybody's depressed and sad, that's not a party. Sorry. The fourth thing that we see at parties are presents. I like presents. I had a little present in my office this morning when I, when I went in, but I was not. Some of you are like, well, you didn't say anything. Well, it's because I didn't read it because I wanted to be able to preach today. Um, so what, what, what is the present that we get at this party? Listen, you can't have life in the Spirit without the Spirit. <laughs> so the gift of the Father... It tells us this in the book of Acts, and Jesus talks about this. The gift of the Father is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, verse 4, Jesus says, remember Jesus, he dies, rises from the dead, and he's talking the last time to the disciples. He's like, listen, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to send my spirit. Here you go. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So he'd already been teaching them. He'd already been teaching them. Read John 14 through 16. He'd already been teaching them about the Holy Spirit, about life in the Spirit, what that looks like. And he said, you wait here. You wait here in Jerusalem, and you pray, and I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit the gift of the Father, the gift my Father promised. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father. That's your second big idea today. And then he says this, verse 5, for John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, check this out. When Jesus was walking on the earth, the Holy Spirit would come on people, right? Even before Jesus was walking on the world, right, the, the uh, prophets, Elijah, Elisha, all those guys, even way back to Abraham, the Spirit of God would come upon people and empower them to do things, and then the Spirit of God would leave. But Jesus said, the Spirit of God is not going to come on you. You're going to get baptized. You're going to get immersed. That's why when we do baptisms, we immerse. That means every part gets touched. And so when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, every part gets touched. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers. Everywhere, all over you. Every part wet. So the gift of the Father is the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about that gift. For a few minutes today. You all right? The gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And not just the gift of, oh, I felt the Holy Spirit draw me. No, 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 the gift of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the gift of the Father, the perfect present provides. Y'all okay? Lots of peace today. The perfect present provides. This is the perfect present because we have the perfect Father, right? Every good and perfect gift. This is the perfect gift is the Holy Spirit. Number one, what do we get out of that? First of all, we get a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not, not, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. You have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. When you say God is speaking to me, that is the Holy Spirit that is speaking to you. Y'all okay? The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is God. It's just, right? It's not your weird uncle. John 14, we're not going to go real, real deep into this today, but I want to give you a few points. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Not just a minute and then leave, forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or known him. Remember, you got to have the Spirit to get the Spirit. But you know him. You know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. In other words, you think I'm going away forever. I am going to heaven, the seat at the right hand of the Father. But I'm going to send my spirit and you won't be orphans. I'm not leaving you alone. Y'all hanging with me? That word, counselor, is the word in the Greek as parakletos. We always have this little joke that I say, not to be confused with parakletos, which means bird, but parakletos, which means one who comes alongside, paraclete, the one who comes alongside. Now, different translations have words there, but the, the word is that someone that comes alongside. And then there's another Greek word right there where he says, for you know him, for he lives with you. That word is mino, and mino means to dwells. It means moving in and out. So in other words, Jesus is saying, you know him. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You know him because he's been kind of moving with you. He's been in me and he's been on you at times and he's been moving in our midst. And then he says this, and then he will be with you, which we kind of lose a little bit there in our language. So the word mino is he lives with you. And the word in you is the word in, E-N, and then it, it means permanently fixed in you. So other words, he's, he's been here, you know him because he's been moving, you've sensed him and all this kind of stuff, but he's going to come and he's going to set up shop in you forever. And he's not going to leave. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You're going to have the permanent presence of my Holy Spirit. They didn't have it yet. They were following Jesus, but they didn't have the permanent dwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we get that person inside of us. Just ask Jesus in my heart. I know the vernacular. But really, when we, when we come to Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit, and we know him, but there's this second event that happens that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit where we're totally immersed. He said, well, how do I know if you have it? Well, if you're asking that question, you don't. You will know. It will change everything. He is, he is a person. It's so important. He is a person so we can expect connection. Listen. 
we can expect connection and we can expect for him to first of all talk to us. I'm going to hit these real quick. So because the Holy Spirit is in you, you can expect him to talk, talk to you. He is not mute. Why is it the Lord speaking? Why is it the Lord speaking? Maybe he is speaking. Maybe you're just not listening. He will teach you all things, John 14, 26, and will remind you of everything I've said. So he's going to teach you all things. Well, how can you teach if you're not talking? He's a silent teacher. At times he is. But he also wants to talk to you. He also provides peace to us. Remember Jesus said, my peace I live with you, leave with you. Remember how the scripture says that he is our peace? You need more peace in your life? Ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Well, I have. Well, just keep asking. Ask him for more. More, more of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, Romans 8, verse 6, the mind controlled by the Spirit, we're talking about the Spirit-filled life, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So it's life, it's party, but it's also peace. Man, I'm, I, I, people are look at you and they're like, whoa, how do you have so much peace? You're going through such a hard time. How do you? Because the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit lives in you, he dwells in you, he's speaking to you, he's providing peace to you, and the, the, the third thing that he does is he leads you. You can expect him to lead you. We don't have to be all weird. We get weird. I was walking and the Lord said, go left. No, no, no. You just, you just know because you have, you, you, some of you are like missing the Lord because you're looking for the leading of the Lord in this big way. What you need to do is just walk in the spirit, which means I'm walking, I'm loving, I'm doing the things that Jesus did. I'm walking and learning and leaning on Jesus, and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me. I might not hear Go talk to that person. I might just think, man, I should talk to that person. Do you feel compassion? Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. He's leading you. When the spirit of truth comes, John 16, 13, he will guide you into all truth. He's going to guide you into truth. I just, I feel such a burden for that. That's probably the Holy Spirit. Hey, what's a, what's a good way to know if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's the devil? Is it a godly thing that he's telling you to do? Yep, probably the Holy Spirit. I don't think the devil would tell you to do something charitable. Y'all all right? So he's a person. The gift of the Father, the gift that you get at the party, is a person. Not a force, a relational connection, a real person living inside of you. You have that head voice in your head that goes, talking to you all the time, right? All that self-talk that you're doing, all that kind of weird stuff. The Holy Spirit wants to be the voice that you yield to in your life. The second thing that we can expect with this gift is power. Everybody say power. Now, power to overcome, yes, absolutely. But listen, we think about our responsibilities as kingdom citizens. The older son had a responsibility. The problem was that he prioritized his responsibilities above his relationship. Therefore, whenever he did his priorities, he acted like a slave. Or did his responsibilities, he's acting like a slave. Why? Because he was working, 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 working. I just got to work, got to work, got to work, take care of my responsibility. I'm slaving away by his own admission. Listen. When we come to Jesus, we, we, it's all about grace, but he doesn't release us from our responsibilities. As a son of the house, you have, we have a ranch to run. We have an estate to run. So he doesn't release us from responsibilities. He empowers us to fulfill them. And he adds pleasure to us fulfilling them because he does it through us. Many times we're saying, God, do it for me. He's like, I want to do it through you. I want to do it with you. That's what I want. You're a son in the house. 
The father doesn't do everything in the house. A lot of times the sons do everything in the house, but the same spirit is on the house. But you will receive power, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Notice he doesn't say you will do witnessing. You'll go to Walmart and witness. Yes, you will do that. But he didn't say that. He said you will. Now, now, now get this. You can't be a witness without witnessing, right? But many times we associate, if I go out and talk to people about Jesus, then I'm doing what the Holy Spirit empowered me. Not necessarily because I've seen people do that, and they're not witnesses of the Lord. They're slaves. They're doing just what the older brother did. Everybody else be out here slaving. So he wants to empower you where you're doing it pleasurable, where you're doing it out of love and the real flow, where you're being a witness. And not just witnessing of the gospel, you are, but it's coming out in your life. You're being a witness, not just witnessing. You will be my witnesses. You'll die for it. So if you're doing it with the wrong spirit, you're not being a witness. Well, you are, but it's a poor witness. It's not a witness for Jesus because Jesus doesn't act like that. You'll be my witnesses, his witnesses, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the earth, world. In other words, you're going to go and you're going to represent me. A witness is, 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 is someone that has a testimonial evidence. They say, man, I, Jesus changed my life. I represent Jesus. Here I am. And let me share with you what God has done. That's what a witness does. And some people think, well, I'm just going to go knock on doors and tell everybody, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. I'm doing what the Holy Spirit filled me. Are you filled with the Spirit? Because I don't see Jesus acting like that. You're acting like the older son. The older brother was acting like a slave by his own admission. How many know there's a difference between working as an owner and working, as a, and, and working like a slave? An owner, is, a responsible son is an owner. Listen, the kingdom of God is God's kingdom, but it's also yours. You're a son of God. You get to help run the estate. So God wants to empower you to do that. Y'all okay? Some are working for God, but not enjoying God. You need the real baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't care how many times you speak in tongues. That, that's awesome. That'll happen. That'll happen when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't matter how much. If, that's what Paul said. He said, if you're around speaking in tongues, da, 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 and you don't have love, it's worthless. So some are working for God, but not enjoying God. So enjoy God in all your work. The Holy Spirit will empower you to do that. Number three. The Holy Spirit... One of the things that he does is he proclaims or he brings the proclamation of our sonship. I was kind of taught early on that whenever the whole part of the main role of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> so funny, was to sit around, was to, was to, to sit in my heart and, and spank me every time I did something stupid. You, that was rotten. And condemn me for the things I did bad. That's what, kind of what I was taught. That was never said. But really, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of our righteousness, not of our sin. He did convict us of our sin when we came, but now he's convicted me of my righteousness. He's going, listen, Josh, you're, you're my son. The Father's saying that through the Holy Spirit. You're, the son of, you're a son of God. Why are you acting like a slave? Why are you acting like unrighteous? Why are you acting like a lust-filled man? Right? Instead, he goes, you're a child of God. You shouldn't be doing that, son. Now, sometimes it is a steady rebuke. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it is, especially if I'm not yielding to the tender rebuke. He'll, he'll get a little stronger until I yield to it. And I'm grateful for that because he's drawn me in. Listen, this is what it says. 
Romans chapter 8. We've been talking about this the whole time, the whole series. You received God's spirit when, you, when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father because he's adopted us by his spirit. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm. Everybody say affirm. Affirm that we're God's kids. So if you receive the Lord and you're serving the Lord and you do something stupid, which you will, and the Holy Spirit comes to you and go, you're not a child of God. That is not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will go, you are God's child. Stop acting like that. You're a son of the house. Affirm means to testify or to bear witness. He will bear witness. He's going, listen, listen, Josh, stop thinking like that. I had the birth, birthday blues a couple of days before this because I get old now like that. That's not who you are. You're not a grumpy guy, old, grumpy old man. You got the joy of the Lord. Yes. Right? He will proclaim our sonship. Listen, one of my, my, my favorite athletes is Brett Favre. I know all you Cowboy fans are going to be mad. I don't care. But I, two years ago, I was sitting in a hotel. I, I love to watch Brett play. We got a picture of him. Um, I used to love to watch Brett play. Um, and yeah, I know, I know. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. So it was a Monday night. Leslie and I were at her parents' house. And I was, I always kind of liked the Packers, right? I mean, they were just all right. I liked them more than the Cowboys easily. Um, but I would always watch the Packers. And, uh, well, if they were on. But we're at Leslie's. We had family dinner night. And we're sitting there. And we were watching this game. And the big story, this was uh, December 21st of 2003. And we're in there. And we're, we're, the game's on. We had family dinner night. We're watching. And the big story on the game is that Brett Favre's dad had died the night before the game. And so the question leading up to the game is, is he going to play? Is he going to play? Is he going to get in there and play? And, and Brett's dad was his, was his uh, high school football coach. And he, he said oftentimes that his dad never really treated him like a son. He just treated him like a coach. And he wasn't always the best dad, but he was a really good coach. But he loved his dad, and he admired his dad like we, like we all do. And so two years ago, I'm in a hotel room uh, on our way back from Florida on a family vacation. And Brett had just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, so I wanted to watch his, his speech. And if you know Brett, they're supposed to take like eight minutes. I think he ended up taking like 40 because that's just what he does, is, does Brett. And so <laughs> Brett's talking, and I'm like kind of emotional, you know, because he's kind of like, he's my guy. And I'm, I'm watching this. And, and uh, he begins to share this story about his dad, and he, and he talks about, you know, that um, in another interview, he said that his wife had told him that night when they were flying back home after that game against the Raiders that Monday night when he played. By the way, one of the best games of his career, threw for almost 400 touchdowns, uh, uh, 400, I'm sorry, four touchdowns, 400 yards, and four, I think it was four touchdowns. Great game for a quarterback. And he said on the flight home when they were going to make funeral arrangements, his wife, Deanna, said, you know, you know your dad would always talk about you being in the Hall of Fame. And he said that he just got so emotional. And he, when he was sharing this speech at the Hall of Fame ceremony, this is, he began to tell a story about his dad. And he said that whenever he was a kid, his dad was a coach. And he said, so a lot of times, because his dad was his high school football coach, that he would just kind of sit around and wait till after the meetings of the coaches. And so he'd sit outside the door and kind of hear what was going on. And Brett was the quarterback, but he often, but he often just handed the ball off. He didn't get to throw the ball a whole lot. 
And so he said that one night he was sitting outside of the locker room, right outside on a bench, while his dad was in there meeting with some of the coaches, and he could overhear them talking. He said that he had just played a game. He didn't play very well, and uh, there was a lot on the line. And he said he heard his, his father uh, talking to these other coaches. And they were basically, because of the performance, they were debating whether or not they were going to put him in the next game. And this is what he said. He said, he, he overheard his father saying this. He said, it was cold, it was dark. He said, I can assure you one thing about my son. He will play better. He will redeem himself. I know my son. He has it in him. And those words, listen, those words that he heard in that locker room that, that night, that cold night, fueled the rest of his NFL career. That he heard, he said that his, his chest began to swell because he heard his father believing in him. And listen, when our heavenly father gave us the Holy Spirit, he gave us this affirming voice to say, your father loves you. Your father believes in you. You can do this. You can do all that he set before you. You are a child of God. And listen, when I watched that, I began to weep because I thought, man, here's a, a guy that really wasn't a great father, but he, how he could use that as fuel to do all these things. I was like, how much more of a good father, a good father that affirms us and loves us and speaks over us. Man, there is nothing we can't accomplish through the Holy Spirit and the life in the Spirit. I'm going to close with this. This, this thought in this scripture. You say, Pastor Josh, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Let me summarize it for you in one word. More. More. More peace, more power, more voice, more leading. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is more. And some of you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But today you can receive. We've got a ministry team. They're going to come forward right now. I'm going to read this scripture and say, well, how do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We're talking about the gift of the Father. I'm finishing up. Listen, Luke chapter 11. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And him who knocks, the door will be opened. And many times we use that for other prayers, don't we? Oh, but just keep on praying about that. Keep on praying. In the Greek, it means asking, keep on asking, seeking, keep on seeking, knocking, keep on knocking. Well, what is he talking about? Listen, which of your fathers, if a son asks for fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? In other words, God's not going to give you something that's bad for you. And this is what he says. Listen, context. Context of the scripture. If you then, though are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? The Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father. You say, well, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? You ask. You say, well, what if I don't, what if I don't receive? Then you keep on asking. And what if, what if I don't receive? Then you seek. And what if I don't receive? Then you keep on seeking. And then you knock. You keep on knocking. And every time I get before the Lord, I'm going, Lord, I just want a little bit more. Not as a beggar, but as a son. Lord, would you fill me with your spirit?